Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast, number one Browns podcast in the world. That's right, folks. Just take our word for it. Don't look it up. You got Kevin <laughs> and Raleigh. And we have a very, very special guest joining us here today. When she went to school at Olmstead Falls High School, she was a state champion pole vaulter back in 2009. I get that year right? Yes. Outstanding. When she <laughs> went to Ashland University, she was a two-time national champ. Then... Tokyo 2020 Summer Olympics, she won the gold medal, one more time, folks, the gold medal with the highest pole vault ever for a woman. This past year, 2022, in March, in Serbia for the indoor championships, she showed her generosity by letting someone else take gold for once, and she took the silver medal instead. Shortly thereafter, for the <laughs> world championships in July, in Eugene, Oregon, here in the United States, she took gold once again. The greatest on the planet at her craft, one of Cleveland's very own, Katie Najat. Katie, thank you for joining us, and how the hell are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for the introduction. Um, you got to catch my breath after that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for asking. Excited to be here. You've had a hell of a year. Last time we talked to you was shortly after the Olympics, and then you went back out and decided to start going crazy again and took another <laughs> gold. Um, what has it been like since July in that gold at World Championships? Well, it's interesting because this past year, even though it ended really well at Worlds, was a huge struggle for me because I think post-Olympics, I crashed uh, emotionally, mentally, physically. I was just really burnt out all year and I didn't realize how exhausted I was until I started competing and then it was it was pretty tough um I got COVID in the middle of the year also and so that just compounded with you know my struggle with my motivation so I was thrilled when I won because it was not a representation of how my year went but I was ecstatic I could pull it out on the day and then we said okay that's my last meet and I took six weeks off doing absolutely nothing pole vault related, no interviews, no events, just hanging out with family and friends, doing things to fully rest mentally and physically. And uh, yeah, I'm, I was so happy with how it went. And I'm having that time off. I've had a really good preseason so far, and I'm excited for this coming year. Well, congratulations. That's incredible. And Thank I listened you. I listened to a podcast you were on earlier this year, and you were talking about just that, how, yeah. you know, and you've always been very open with your mental health. And we talked about that the yeah. last time you are on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, remember, you are our resident uh, gold medalist Olympian <laughs> for the Dogs of War podcast. So, um, yeah, no, no, appreciate you. <laughs> You talked about, you know, you're open with your mental health and talking about how, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, you know, trying to find the motivation after winning a gold medal, after being at the very top of Everest, the highest you can go. Yeah. And then you found it. You said you struggled, but then you found it and came back and took the gold medal at world championships <laughs> on home turf in the United States. Talk us through what was that like and what was it that got you that motivation again and made you go out there and take another gold medal on the biggest stage? I think I was also at that time dealing with an injury. I had tendinosis and bursitis in my Achilles in the weeks leading up to world. So once I made the team, I think for the U S that's such a huge stress of 
am I even going to make the team? Because on any given day, anything can happen. I mean, you said at the Olympics, I was down to a third attempt at the opening height. Like that could have gone a very different way. And, you know, every day for a pole vaulter, something could happen like that. So I, once I made the team, I think that helped me to relax a bit. And I, I, we were doing a lot of pain management with my Achilles. Thankfully it wasn't anything that was going to rupture, but it was painful and distracting. And, and so, yeah, it just going in, I think knowing it was my last meet, it really helped me to say, okay, last one, best one, give this everything you have. And then you get a nice long break. And my family and friends were there, which has always helped me. Um, and it was cool because with it being in the U S I'd be standing on the runway and I would hear someone cheer for me that I knew wasn't one of my family members. And that had never really happened before. Hell yeah. Um, we get, like, it's just like, Oh yeah, well, this is in the U S like, they, let's go. And I think at that point I knew that meat was going to be almost competing my way into shape. I had built a really good foundation over the past several years, which that would not have happened without that. But I, once I kind of found that jump in the competition, I just tried to rep it out as best I could. And thankfully it, it, that's what happened, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You had said earlier that you got COVID. Was that during the six week break or where? No. So that was after my indoor season. Um, so I got, so competed at the Olympics, finished that season, took six weeks off, doing all kinds of fun stuff, started my indoor season and was struggling. Like I said, motivationally had a break in between indoor and outdoor. And then right before my outdoor season was supposed to start, I got COVID. And for me, the effects of COVID had the both times were just a brain fog. I don't feel very sharp. I don't feel explosive. And in the pole vault, when you're coming down the runway full speed it's very fast twitch you know you you make a split second impulse decision and I just I couldn't do that so that combined with how I had already been feeling was just not great <laughs> well it's kind of an interesting thought that I literally has never crossed my mind until now most normal people when I say normal I'm talking about non- Olympic professional athletes, whatever, yeah. if we get COVID and assuming, you know, the worst doesn't happen, it's like, well, yeah, you're out for say a couple weeks, a week, yeah. whatever it is. And then it's like, okay, then I go back into my lazy lifestyle <laughs> and I'm probably going to be performing at a physical level, the same <laughs> level I did before, which is pretty much none. But when, <laughs> when a fine tuned athlete gets hit with it, it's like, oh, yeah, that probably hits them a little bit differently. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. I, I would never know if I wasn't doing what I was doing because it is so like day to day, I felt fine. Um, it was just the more speed I added on the runway as I was coming into the takeoff, the more I felt lost and out of control. And I just couldn't like pull the trigger to, to actually take off the ground. Um, but weightlifting, I felt fine. My I, there was definitely, I lost a bit of strength. I lost a bit of speed, power, fitness. I mean, I definitely looked at some. Been there. 
I definitely looked at some of the pictures of myself like, oh, yeah, you're you're not in the same shape you were. But, you know, that is what it is. That's we didn't have time to rebuild and build that fitness, build that base the way we did the year before. It was just I immediately went right into competing. And unfortunately, I just had to kind of swim with the sharks a little bit (laughs) for a while. It was sink or swim. And I was I was sinking a little bit, but thankfully pulled it out (laughs) do you feel back to 100 as far as covid yes goes okay yes and that's what i've noticed is it just takes time um it it just takes a couple months which unfortunately with where i was in the season i didn't have that time so i just had to go in and hope that adrenaline in a competition could help me out and sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't um but i think yeah at the at worlds it i really had to force myself. I I felt the adrenaline, don't get me wrong, I was amped up and I knew this was big, but I kind of had to force that up more than I have for a lot of those major championship situations. So you're a Nike athlete. Yes. Worlds was in Eugene, Oregon, which is Nike headquarters. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just trying to think of like when Phil Knight started Nike all those years ago, like his dream had to have always been a track and field star in Eugene, right in his backyard on the top of the podium with the gold. (laughs) I can't imagine like a better picture, perfect moment for you, obviously, but then Nike's got to be just thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're, they're very happy. I have definitely seen how happy they are in different ways um which is amazing um good for you they've been been really good to me and it was really special to do it there and then they set up this incredible hospitality for us that was this huge building that had several different levels i mean travis scott came (laughs) and visited uh you know it was just he he has a collaboration with them and so i i got oh yeah from his line and it just very, very special. They gifted me this amazing bottle of, of Dom when I won and it was like, had the Nike logo on it. And it was very special. Very special. Yeah. They better roll that red carpet out. <laughs> when you were on the, uh, the last time with us, one of the things I asked you was, cause I've always wanted, I've always wanted this when I'm watching the Olympics or any individual sporting event, that last run, this is to win the gold medal. It's just you, right? There's no teammates that can pick you up if you, you know, have a bad shift or a bad run like any other sport. Yeah. You're sitting there and you're just you and your brain or you and your mind, and you're thinking, all right, this is it. This is it. You talked a lot about just staying in the zone and just trusting your your practice and and everything you've done up to that point. Yeah. When you're at Worlds now and you find yourself in that situation again, you're on that runway and you're like, all right, if I nail this, I win gold again. Does having that same experience in the Olympics, did that make you more calm or more nervous at that moment at Worlds? You know, I think because I, the year was such a mess, I was just, there was no pressure in a weird way. Like, yes, there was this pressure because I was the reigning Olympic champion and I felt that to a degree, but I think I was just, when I'm on the runway, even in those situations, like you feel the nerves, but I was so focused on just doing the jump correctly. And so I cleared 480 and I was behind. And then I was up immediately at 485. And 
I think because I got to jump back to back in that 480 jump, which I'm sorry, 15.9 and change. And then I went to 15.11. Because that jump felt so good and I was up right away, all my focus was just do that again. It all, everything was channeled into that feeling, how the jump felt, what I told myself to do and just do that again. And so I think it really worked to my advantage to, to have that back to back. Um, and at that point there were still a few of us in, so I, it was, that wasn't, you know, I cleared it knowing that that was going to put me in a really good position, but I knew it wasn't over yet. So I couldn't really get ahead of myself. And I think at the next bar, because Sandy did end up clearing, we went to 490. Um, I knew she could clear it. And with where my season had been, I was actually on a shorter approach, which you can choose how long your run up is. And I, because of everything I had been going through was starting closer, which puts you at a disadvantage because you're not generating as much speed ultimately in the pole vault the way you create all of that energy is your runway speed and so I really didn't at that point I was like I just cleared 480 from six left sweet like (laughs) like I cleared 485 from six are you kidding like this doesn't this is not real and then so I knew 490 from that approach was gonna be tough for me and Sandy absolutely could clear that bar. So I think I just, I just got a little lucky that day, but yeah. For the folks at home wondering the 480, that's 4.8 meters, correct? And then 15, yes. 16 feet. Yeah. Sorry. We say it like that for you. No, no, no. It's just, you know, Raleigh and I being, you know, kind of world-class athletes ourselves, we understood <laughs> that, but I just want to make sure the people at right. home are getting that. Yeah. So like 16 feet, I don't, I couldn't climb a ladder that high. So <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Well, thank you. Thank that you. It, it instilled a lot of confidence, definitely. For this I, I, Kevin, I, I'm not sure if this is what you were asking, um, but I was just kind of thinking it. When you have those moments, like the, the, the this is now moments that I feel like Olympians probably come across more than, I guess. Anyone in the world. Prof- yeah, most professional <laughs> athletes. Uh I'm sure you've made a bunch of friends along the way. Do you guys ever talk about how you handle that? Like, you know, it's like just ignore the moment and focus on the little things. Maybe that's impossible yeah. to do or try to harness the energy from it. I I don't know. Like, yeah, do you guys I, talk about that? We, yes, um, we absolutely feel, what's funny is we talk more about like technical things rather than like the feeling in the moment, I guess. But I think we all feel that emotion probably in different ways. Like that it's inevitable, you know, how big of a meat it is. So your body just feels electric. At least for me, it's like you have this electric running through your body. It's, I'm sorry, electricity, but it's just, it's, I what I try to do every practice is focus a very certain way and that has become habit. And so that when I go into these high pressure situations, yes, I know that this is a big bar and it very well could be it, but I am just trying to focus on executing and telling my body exactly what I want it to do. And that's how that'll clear that bar because like adrenaline alone won't do that. Can you set something up where you give like a pep talk to the Cleveland Browns on 
closing out games and focusing on what you need to do in the fourth. Maybe on a weekly basis. On a weekly basis, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. That last game was amazing, and I've forgotten all of the losses prior to it. But I swear for the life of me, over the past two years, whenever there's like a close nail-biter game, other than Carolina this year, they never close. And it's like, what is it like that yeah. not to take away from their victory, but they yeah. were, they were so far ahead that they were e- able to easily close out the game easy for them anyway. And it's like, well, if that's a seven point lead, I God, don't think that's I honestly, goal. with so many different people, it's I, like, I can't imagine that many moving parts at once because everybody's brain has to be on the same wavelength <laughs> and the same. I, yeah, it's just, Gosh, I. For those of you just, wondering, for me, what's nice for me is it's the same every single time, and so I learn obviously a lot of variables in the pole vault, but not the same type of variables as the box moving and somebody trying to hit me, and you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I think that would add a level of stress that I don't know. For those of you that don't know, Katie went to the Browns training camp. Let was it September of twenty twenty one? uh it it was last fall of 2021 yeah and got to meet the team got to give a presentation or a a talk to the team and i was just telling someone about this other night because i was talking about how we're going to get to speak with you today and how one of the coolest thing for me watching that from obviously just instagram and pictures is you know nfl athletes and athlete you know any pro athlete they're used to people coming up to them and being like oh my god oh my god like it's it's so and so like let me they they were gawking over that gold medal because that's something they can't get, right? There's no gold medal in football. It's something higher. Like, it was so cool to see yeah. these pro athletes because, like, very rarely do they – are they starstruck by anyone, any <laughs> athlete, right? But an Olympian just touched them so differently, and that's just – that was so cool to watch. So that's why we're talking yeah. about – uh, talking today, Raleigh and I were like, yeah, we might need to ask her to go do some, like, you know, weekly or da- <laughs> daily interventions in Berea. No, that was, that was amazing. I, if it's funny because in so many ways, I just feel like, well, I'm just me. This is what I do. Like, I, I don't feel that special or different. I I've done some pretty incredible things, which is amazing. And I'm not trying to, you know, take away from how hard I worked and all that, but it just, when you see people that I respond that way to them, kind of respond that way to you it's like oh this is special this is different <laughs> but i don't i i'm just i'm me like i'm surrounded by my takeout watching netflix like i don't know i don't feel that different that's awesome <laughs> you hear that people even the best in the world can sit around and watch netflix and just get takeout once in a while <laughs> treat yourself that's right. Uh, hey, belated <laughs> congratulations. You were just inducted into the Cleveland or excuse me, the greater Cleveland sports hall of fame a Thank few weeks you. ago. Uh, unbelievable class. Yeah. You hammy Bernie oh Kosar. Like, can you talk about that experience? Cause that's unreal. Uh, Tom, Tom was- Hamilton, the voice of the guardians for the listeners. So and also cool. follow, are you also like best friends with Bernie now? Cause I feel like you guys are just <laughs> always doing like promo events together. We have done a few events and he's awesome. He is so nice. When I see him, he will take time away to like, come speak to me, talk to my family. He like left the people he was talking to, to go over to my mom and my grandma to say hi. He's the nicest, nicest guy. Um, and what's funny is, and I, I read this at 
for my speech at the induction, but back in 2016, um, the then Indians had beaten the Yankees in a playoff game, like in, I think it was like 13 innings. It was, you know, by one run, super exciting. And somebody on Twitter had put the winning run to Tom Hamilton with Titanic in the background. And I, Titanic's my favorite movie. And I watched that and I was just feeling emotional. And I was, I tweeted, I think my biggest dream in life would be to win an Olympic medal with Tom calling, with Hammy calling it with Titanic in the background. (laughs) And so I just said like, this is about as close as I'll get and it's better. So (laughs) he, uh, he spoke before I did. He got inducted before I did. He wasn't there, but he did a video call in um, or he recorded something and they played it. And he started talking about each of us. And when he started talking about me, I started crying. So I'm like, you are affiliated with so many memories of my childhood and you're just the best voice in sports. Like, this is so cool. I can't handle this. Like, Oh, it was amazing. Oh, that is I would cry so too. Cool. Also, I, I obviously. I kept saying to my mom, I can't handle this. Like I just I'm not cool enough. I was thinking maybe, I don't know how you asked this, but it's like, hey sir, here's this clip of me, you know. <laughs> uh, well, his family said they'd tell him. So I'm like, that's good enough. I I'm not I'm not asking him. That's uh, okay, that's fair. Maybe if we ever have like a street vault up in Cleveland, I'll get him to come be the announcer for it. Well, you you could do a, like, you could be a, a, a past victory one. You know what I mean? Like, just to see what it would sound like. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to describe the fear that shoots through my blood when Raleigh says, I don't know how to ask what I'm about to ask. (laughs) For anyone, for any, any, anytime we have a guest, for anyone. I I never know how to ask most questions. (laughs) Katie, more complicated, but yeah, I get you. Katie, you have been uh, very open on social media with all of the wedding planning you're going through <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, you and Raleigh can connect more on that because I've never been married. <laughs> um, what has been your favorite part of wedding planning and what's been an unexpected part that you wish someone would have given you a heads up for, but they didn't? So I feel like I've been planning my wedding since long before I met my fiance so it was you're one of those i think all all females just probably say that yeah i just love wedding stuff i wasn't the idea of actually spending the rest of my life with someone kind of terrified me i loved them for other people but i i love weddings i love the idea of and i've said this even before him of getting into the wedding industry in some form when i'm retired um whether that's working at a bridal shop or wedding planning whatever um and so it's been so fun just kind of seeing it come to be and putting all the pieces together. And But it was pretty easy for me because I felt like it was just making the phone calls like I had already <laughs> planned. Um, as far as unexpected, I mean, it's obviously <laughs> very expensive. Um, I don't think I've ever been so happy I had a really good year in the Olympic year as this year, <laughs> because there's a lot of th- everything just adds up. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think because I, I looked so much into it, I knew kind of what to expect. 
um, in terms of planning and logistics, but it's just a lot of little things. Um, like for example, we're getting crumble cookies. They don't deliver. So I have to like ask my friend's husband if he'd pick them up and bring them to the venue that morning. Love that. Yeah. Like we're doing a dessert table. So, you know, just things like that. And I think just getting everyone's information of, okay, what's their, what's their formal name? Because I know him as Jim. Is he James? Is <laughs> you know like, and and so that's been a little tedious. But honestly, the whole process has been really fun. He's been pretty into it. He's actually made some decisions, which is that, fun, that's but. literally what I was going to ask. Like, if you ask him for his input, are you genuinely yes. asking, or are you well, just waiting to tell him that he's wrong? Yeah, both. Um, no, it's funny because I he really has gotten pretty much everything he has wanted that he's genuinely wanted. So when I, when we first started planning, I sent him all these pictures of white flowers. I'm like, I just want a lot of white flowers, just really pretty. And he goes, what about red? I was like, you mean the exact opposite color? (laughs) Are you kidding? Well, he meant like a dark burgundy, which the more I thought about it, I was like, I like that color a lot. And for a winter wedding, that could be good. So now we have burgundy in the flowers and burgundy bridesmaids dresses. And um, he wanted a live painter, which they literally paint one scene at your wedding, either your first dance or you're, you know, up at the altar and you get it late. Like she paints it throughout and people can come up and look at it. So he's, he's been, he's, there's been a lot of things. He's like, I don't care. Just pick, but He's been into it. If you guys want to do a live podcast recording at the ceremony, <laughs> let us know. We'll fly in. Yeah. Let's do that classic wedding upcharge thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess he is British. So in fairness, he probably has like a, like a, I don't know, a Britishy elegance about him that probably goes hand in hand with weddings. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I always said I wanted tuxes because I wanted it super formal. Well, apparently in England, that's not that formal. They do tuxes all the time. And so he wanted to do a three-piece suit with coattails. And I was going to say, with the tails and the hat uh-huh. and everything? Not the hat. Not the hat. Okay, no okay. Costume. Like, no, I, I think hats can look really cool, but just not the vibe we're going Do you have any, like, lords or knights <laughs> or, like, sires coming? No, not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but his, his dad's going to be in, they call it, morning dress, which apparently his brother, that's not allowed. It, like, you're not supposed to wear a morning dress to an evening wedding. It's just a whole thing. Um, but it's, I'm so excited. It's going to be very fun. The groom's one will be in Texas, so it, it'll still be formal, but. That's awesome. Smell yeah. the burgundy roses. It goes by quick. Yeah. I love, I love weddings too. In fact, there's this one wedding where I got, this is during COVID. I got invited to it and I was really pumped for it. Then I got uninvited. Then I got invited again and then uninvited again. And I, oh, that's, that was Raleigh's wedding. That's right. Oh, <laughs> that was different. And that was. Uh, yeah, I am so grateful that, that. That was not my call, Kevin. That was I am giving, I am giving Raleigh shit. Over that. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving Raleigh shit. During COVID, it got down to family, immediate family only for like every wedding. I'm just giving yeah. him a hard time because it was a hilarious process I just to witness. had the same thing though. I was in my friend's wedding and she ended up only having the maid of honor, the best man and immediate family. 
So I watched that on Zoom. I still have her dress hanging up in my closet, just waiting. Um, well, that's awesome. So you got a pretty exciting few months ahead of you. Yes. What? So in terms of on the track, on the runway, excuse me, um, your Paris is 2024, Paris Summer Olympics. What is, I guess the rest of, let's stay in this calendar year. Sorry, we're not going to get too ahead of ourselves here. What's in the next, you know, six months in terms of track? Um, so this coming year, there is an outdoor world championships. And because I won last year, I get an automatic bid. So I don't have to yeah. do trials, which is, I'll still go. I, of course, I'll, you know, I'm competitive. I want to go and, and compete and try and win a U.S. national title. but. Um, I don't have to stress about it the way most people do. And what's nice is we now get to send four athletes where normally we only get to send three U S women's pole vault is so good. I feel like we've deserved that for a while. We just haven't had someone pull it out at worlds to, to get that bid. So very excited for that. And then, um, yeah, the year after is, is Paris. And then, the year after that, Worlds is in Tokyo, and I think it'd be cool to kind of bring my career full circle and maybe retire there. But we'll see. Yes. I'm, I'm 31. We got to take it year by year at this point. <laughs> What's it like being number one in the world? And now I know you guys say that you're all friends and you talk about the relationships you have and you, you've lived and had roommates that are from different countries and do pole vault. But What's it like knowing that everyone's bullseyes on you? You're the hunted because you're the best. I I know you're too humble and bashful to say, yeah, it, but no, it's I, true. Thank you. Um, I, in a weird way, I think winning both, but especially this last one after the year that I had, it almost, it just boosted my confidence in a way that I've never experienced in the sense that I just feel really, relaxed. I had always felt really anxious about training and very this urgency that's hard to really put into words. And I, I now just am like, okay, how good can I be? Because I've already kind of proven what I needed to, to not just other people, but to myself, I'm very quick to believe the bad practices and get down on myself. So I think that kind of instilled this confidence of, okay, even with the year you had, you're, you're still able to pull it out. So just relax, have fun with this, but let's just push myself to see how good I can be. And so I think, yes, there's a target on my back, but also I, I feel just much more relaxed about it because at this point, I don't feel like I have anything to prove. I, I've done the things that i wanted to. And of course I, I have more goals, but I think because I'll have a much more relaxed, but motivated approach to it, I think it will be, I don't want to say easier to achieve those goals, but I think it will, it will help me. The amount of swag I would walk around with going to these <laughs> events, if I was a gold medal winner and then the <laughs> world champion as well, this is why I'm not a world-class athlete because yeah, for, well, for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons, but yeah, your, your ability to stay so <laughs> humble and just grounded is so impressive. I mean, Thank it's you. just, it's incredible. Thank you. I really, I appreciate it, but I know that, like I said, on any given day, things can change. There, there are way too many variabilities in this sport to get 
cocky and also it's still pole vault like as much as i love the people that support me it's nowhere near the other sports that are making <laughs> millions so i don't really have any room to get get nonsense <laughs> nonsense we had we had it out at a bar here in chicago we were going nuts so if it's on a bar it's big time hey <laughs> that's fair uh we should probably tie in the browns uh Given the nature of this podcast, oh, we were having we were such a good mood. I know, I know. Um, they won, they won, they won. They won. <laughs> God. I'm like, Repeat. we've been talking about. Do you, uh, do you feel the ups and downs that come with Browns losses? Well, I don't get to watch a ton of the games because I'm in Atlanta. So I, because you have a life. I got yeah. to go, I went to a Browns backers bar when they played the Falcons. Um, and I so I I haven't gotten to see all of them, which is probably better. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I do get really into it. Um, Very jealous. I, <laughs> I I get really excited during games, and I I feel that emotion, and I I get sad when we lose. But you know, I also I think being an athlete can kind of relate to when you have a just a a bad day, and you know. Oh. A, it's no one's fault like it's just on every given day they're trying their best and sometimes oh. it's just your best looks a little different so they don't always try their best i will say that <laughs> but like last time we were on i was on team yes they always try their best but i swear there were there have been some games you can totally <laughs> quit um and also i'm like i, I don't co-sign that comment yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a raleigh comment yeah you can tell um and you know not to make like you said, it's probably better. There's the not disclaimer to that's like, we do not claim the views expressed yeah. by the people in this. No. <laughs> Tweets are my own. But like you, you were kind of, I think, maybe alluding to, I mean, the a theme of this podcast episode, and me and Kevin talk about it a decent amount, is mental health. And yeah, holy shit, the Browns do no favors to <laughs> anyone in the fan base in that regard, which we joke about it, but it's like, I, I get so bummed out until Wednesday. Now Wednesday is still bummed. Thursday, I'm Thursday, normally back. starting to get excited. Which, in all fairness, they're probably feeling it more. Like, I know, I I know. know they're the ones playing. They, you know, in some respect, they're in control. But, oh, I can't imagine, like having a bad meet and then coming to Twitter <laughs> and just seeing people like, man, she really messed that up. Like, wow. You like just being really, (laughs) Yeah, I would probably have quit a long time ago. Thankfully it's pole vault. So no one really cares that much. (laughs) Like they get excited when I do well, but it's not like, I think the problem is there's a lot of betting and a lot of money and people are losing a lot of money. And then we bet on pole vault yet. They're death threats. It's, ridiculous but i know it's i mean social media is honestly the worst thing and it's like you see that there's some athletes that don't have social media and it's like wow that's probably a good idea i absolutely see why the nfl players just get rid of their social media during the season oh my gosh it's it's bad but at the same time to bring this back around to a, a positive note off the Browns tough to do 
I can, yeah, but we're, we're going to do, we're going to land this plane. I can't imagine the number of people, men, women, young, old that have been inspired and have been truly helped by you being so open about, you know, mental health and that's on social media. So while I agree and I understand like people, some athletes just want nothing to do with social media. That's great, but there's a way to turn it around and use it for the greater good. And that's awesome. You've been able to tie all of that in with how you do social media. Well, thanks. I, I mean, part of my goal throughout most of my career is just showing people there is a real person behind the athlete and the, you know, I, I just go through ups and downs just like anyone else. And I think because when I was younger and looked at elite professional athletes, I'm like, well, they, they just, that it it happens because they're them and they have great practices all the time because they're super talented and I'm like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> that is not how that has happened. Uh, yeah. So I just, yeah, I try to be as transparent as I can. We uh, mentioned this on the last podcast, but I just want to reaffirm this. Um, Raleigh and I will be uh, at Paris or wherever we need to be as private security. Yes. We're going black suits, sunglasses, <laughs> fake earpieces. I was good. I did recall you saying that last time we had you on and i appreciated that mindset that yes they are human beings and they want to win more than any fan wants them to win yeah that's so like <laughs> that's uh because it's it's funny i have you know family and friends that still bring out my opening bar at the olympics and it's like I get that it was stressful for you, but I promise you, whatever you were feeling, yeah. did not come yeah. close. <laughs> the emotion that I felt in that moment, just I'm sorry. Like it just it does. I am so sorry for what I did to you, but like I, oh, it was something I don't wish on anyone. <laughs> what a world! Like there's like I can't believe what you put me through. Four thousand miles away in my living room watching on TV. <laughs> And it's coming from a good place. It's oh, funny. totally, it totally. But it's out well, absolutely. It worked, it worked out fantastically. And no one would be saying anything if it had gone poorly. No one would be yeah. having a hard time about that. Uh, but it's just like, oh, you, yeah, gosh, I don't. Home, homework for our listeners. If you haven't already seen them, there's two videos you need to go look up, both on Katie's Instagram or on YouTube. Her winning the gold. And look up the other ones, of course, the worlds. Her winning the gold. Because I told you on the last time you're on, my favorite thing is when you cleared and landed, you just stood up and you go, oh, man. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> the, the video of uh, back home at Olmstead Falls, at, I think it was a bar where everyone just went ballistic, nuts. Yeah. When you was ballistic, the right word? Berserk. When yes. you won that gold medal. So go look at those. Um, Katie, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Truly thank appreciate you. it. You are unbelievably busy with all you do, not yeah. just being a, a world athlete but also planning a wedding. Yeah. Um, congratulations on all your success again. Best of luck. And with all the rest of the year in the wedding planning. Thank you so much. It was, as always, really fun. For Katie, for Raleigh, for myself, thank you for listening to Dogs of War podcast and good night, Cleveland. <laughs>